It's sometimes hard for us to believe that people would be willing to do that great a sacrifice. But Jesus even said, greater love has no person than to give their life for someone else. You know, I love lots of people know John 3.16. But I'm amazed at how many people don't know 1 John 3.16. I'd like you to turn there. 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. This is one I hope that you'll learn and put to memory because it really is the mirror image. It's written by John, and so John is merely telling us again what he is saying in the book of John. John chapter 3 and verse 16. Everybody's got it? It's on page 1793, just in case you need to have the page number. Let's read it together out loud. Hereby perceive we, out loud means everybody, not just Jack. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brethren. You know, I wished everybody could memorize this one as well as most people have. John 3.16 memorized. It means we should become like Jesus. Let's bow our heads together. Father, thank you so much that you do love us and that Jesus did come for us. And today as we study and open your word about this mysterious thing called baptism, would your Holy Spirit inspire each one of us that we might see plainly the truth of the subject? Would you speak to us through your word, and would you help us to feel the Spirit? For we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. You know, when we come to this idea of baptism, it's amazing how many things have came up. You know, today there is baptism by immersion, there's baptism by tri-immersion, there's baptism by sprinkling, there's baptism by pouring. There's baptism through rose petals. There's baptism through oil. You know, you can even get baptized now over the internet. You know, the best one I ever saw, and by the way, this is, uh, all the reports tell me it's true. I was in Vernal, Utah, and there is a fundamental Mormon who lives in this little town uh, not too far from Vernal, and when he baptizes somebody, he actually hooks them up to a 12-volt battery because he wants them to feel the Spirit, you know? How do we come up with so many different things in relationship to a simple subject? We begin by looking over in, of course, Ephesians 4 and verse 5. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 4 and verse 5, how many lords are there? One. And then it tells us how many faiths are there. It tells us how many baptisms are there. You know, we can find in many different places, God's pretty singular. Have you noticed that in the scriptures? I mean, he's just pretty singular, you know. And as a result here, he says there is one in relationship to baptism. When we discover all of the different teachings in relationship to baptism, 
Let me tell you, it's amazing how far out we have gotten. One night in South America, a knock came on the pastor's door. It was after dark, and down there where they lived, you know, you didn't just open the door. And uh, the pastor said through the door, who is it? And uh, the man said his name and said, you have to come to my house. If you don't come to my house, my wife is going to die. And so as a result of that, he opened the door and let the man in. And the man explained that they had had a baby daughter. And before the daughter could be baptized, the daughter died And she was informed by the priest the baby could not even be buried in holy ground. It was cursed to be in limbo. Mother had gone home so sad, so much remorse, she had simply went to bed and laid there and was waiting to die. She hadn't eaten anything for over a week. The worst part was she wasn't drinking anything either, and the husband knew if she didn't get some help fast, she was going to die. And so here he had gone to ask this pastor to come. So the pastor went. He went into the bedroom where she was, pulled up a chair and sat down and began to give her a Bible study. When the Bible study was over, the woman got up, went into the bathroom, combed her hair, washed her face, and then went out and began to go about her motherly and wifely duties. Why? She learned the truth, and the truth set her free. Babies are not born lost. Hello? You know? You can't be lost until you choose to be. Does that make sense? Where do we get such a teaching that would drive a woman to the point of wanting to be able to just lay down and die? The Bible and scriptures is true, and we can know the truth, and it will set us free. Go to Matthew chapter 28. Jesus gave this instructions at this time, and it really gives us the truth of the entire matter. Matthew chapter 28, we begin with verse 18. Jesus is talking. He's giving the instructions, so we ought to really pay attention when Jesus is giving the instructions. Amen? And it says this, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Now in Jesus' instructions, tell me, What comes before baptism? What comes before baptism? It's right there. Teach. Teach Teach them what? And, And when we look at the truth, what is the truth? Jesus is the truth. Amen? Let's get with it now. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Why teach them about Jesus? They're lost. Do you understand that? They're lost. And without Jesus, they're going to stay lost. 
But by accepting Jesus and the gift that he gave to them, now guess what? They're saved. That's pretty simple, isn't it? Huh? And when we find that, how much of that can a newborn baby learn? So right away when we baptize a brand new baby, guess what? We just violated what Jesus said. Amen? Now I want to be clear on something. I think we ought to dedicate our children to the Lord. I really do. You know, whether we want to admit it or not, children are a privilege. Most of us parents make too many mistakes doing this, but it really is a privilege. And we ought to dedicate our children. But dedicating our children to the Lord is not baptism. Many times within the church, I've seen children dedicated to the Lord. I think it's very important. But folks, they're not saved or lost because they're not baptized. They have to be old enough to understand. Now, of course, the next question comes up. How old should a child be before they get baptized, Pastor Jack? (laughs) Oh, boy. Let me tell you, I've actually had better answers to the question, why do you want to be baptized from a seven-year-old than I've had from adults? Okay? But I will tell you this. If Jesus at age 12 could make a decision to die for you, I'm sure a 12-year-old could make a decision to live for Jesus. What do you think? You know? It's each individual. But now, you learn that you're lost, you accept Jesus' gift, you're now baptized, and you know, guess what? Why, you just graduated. Hello? If you don't believe that, go to church. You know? We talked about it one night in, in, in the meeting, didn't we? <laughs> what does the Bible call them? Babies. Babies. Not high school graduates. They don't have a master's degree. They've been born again and they're babies. Now, moms, you back me up. Babies make messes. Amen? You know? And, and you don't throw them out because they made a mess. You know? What do you do? You clean them up. Right? And you send them on their way again. You remember the example I used one night? You remember when you brought that little baby home, you know? And, and you raised it and loved it and cuddled it and cared for it, you know? And pretty soon one day it got old enough. It stood there at the coffee table. Remember that? And then it just took off walking, right? Huh? What happened? It fell down. Now, when it fell down, the father picked it up and said, This baby is defective. (laughs) You're laughing. I've seen it happen. Church members all of a sudden think that somebody's been baptized. Now they got a PhD. No, they don't. They're babies. And what is the rest of what Jesus said? Teach them to observe what? All things. Anybody in this room, maybe with the exception of Pastor Stan, think you know everything that's in here? Huh? I mean, come on. The only reason I say that about, I know Stan's been to school too. 
But listen, just because we went to school, don't know we mean it all, right, Pastor? <laughs> I'm learning new things every single solitary day. We teach them. Anybody in here still fall down every once in a while? What does Jesus do when we fall down? He picks us up. He brushes us off. He puts his arms around us. He loves us. He says, hey, try it again. Why can't we do the same thing? We should be loving. You know, instead of looking at each other, we need to keep our eyes, guess what? On the boss. Okay? And you know, the more you keep your eyes on Jesus, you know the more perfect your brothers and sisters look like? You know why? Because you just got done looking in the mirror and you saw you the way Jesus saw you and you wonder why he hasn't given up on you yet. But he loves you. You know, when you do that, it's amazing how perfect your brothers and sisters look. Keep your eyes on Jesus, folks. By the way, that's what people need to see anyway. You know, some people, all they ever see is hypocrites. <laughs> I wonder why. You know, maybe it's kind of like that little nursery rhyme, you know, about the kitty cat that went to London. And when it got to London, what did it see? A little mouse, and it scared it under the chair. Yeah, you remember that. Why is it that all of the wonderful, beautiful things, I've been to London, okay, and, and there's lots of beautiful things to see in London. Why is it all the kitty cat could see was the mouse? Because that's what kitty cats look for. Why is it when you come to church, the only thing you ever see is the hypocrites? Is that what you look for? I hope not. I hope you come to church to be able to see Jesus. Amen? You know, I like to hear a good preacher preach. And, and you know, somebody, they didn't say this, Pastor. But I've had people say, well, <laughs> our pastor's boring. You know, I've got to admit something to you. We got a pastor in Citrus Heights, and this man was the most boring individual I think I'd ever met in my life, Sylvia. I, I, it got to the point I, I almost didn't even want to go to church. And uh, one Saturday morning, I decided I really didn't think I was going to go. And then, of course, the kids came in and said, aren't we going to church, Father? Oh, yeah, we're going, you know. And so uh, I said, well, maybe we'll just go for Sabbath school and then we'll leave, you know. <laughs> well, you know, when you're an elder in the church, it's hard to just leave. <laughs> so I went in and I sat down and I'm thinking, oh, brother. And, you know, I bowed my head and I said, Lord, would you please, I've asked forgiveness now, would you please do something with this dummy. Fill him with your Holy Spirit and let him be able to bring a message I need to hear. You know, I was amazed. I don't know what happened, if he took lessons or what, but I mean, that particular day, he preached a sermon that was out of this world. I couldn't believe it. I went home feeling good. It turned out every week when I went to church, if I prayed for this man, he was really a good speaker. What's the difference? 
you're asking God to use this individual to give you the message you need to hear. See how much difference it can make to us when we do that? And so when we're thinking about these things and looking at it, baptism itself from the Greek word baptizo simply means to immerse. It's that simple, to immerse somebody. Romans chapter 6, let's go there because I want to read two or three verses. Harold, don't worry about it. I can yell louder than he can cry. (laughs) Romans chapter 6. I love when the kids come to church. I didn't see any this morning, or we'd have had a children's story this morning, believe me. When we look at this, Romans chapter 6, it tells us, beginning there with verse 3, page 1654. Is that good? Better? Okay. Know you not that so many of us that were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized unto his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism unto death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. You know, I've heard lots of people say, maybe you've heard it too, (laughs) you need to die for Jesus. You need to die for Jesus. I'm going to tell you something. It takes a whole lot more intestinal fortitude to live for Jesus. Okay? Just to go out and love people like he loved it. Boy, now that's an amazing fact. Okay? Live for Jesus. For if we have been planted into his likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, and henceforth we should not serve sin. You know, we've developed a bad habit in this country. We refer to the wife as the old lady, you know. Or sometimes the women say the old man. By the way, you know, that's a bad connotation. That's referring to a lost person. And by the way, guys, ask your wife. They don't like it anyway. Okay, so get away from it if you happen to be in that habit. You know, give the respect that they deserve. You may get some back. For he that was dead is free from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we should also live with him. Now, when you bury something, what do you do with it? You dig a hole, put it in it, and... Cover it up. When you plant something, what do you do? Same thing, right? I don't know how you could be more plain. One day a boy came home. He'd been going to some meetings at the mission. And he told his father, he says, Father, I want to get baptized like Jesus. And his father said, you have been baptized. Well, I know, Father, but not the way Jesus was baptized and not what the Bible's teaching. He said, Son, if you're going to start having that and questioning what you believe, I don't want you to go back there anymore. So the boy, you know, shut up, and, but he still kept going back. And uh, he came home another time and he says, Dad, I'm really convinced I want to get baptized like Jesus. He said, Now listen, son, you have been baptized. You were baptized in our church, and you were sprinkled, and your grandfather did it, and I did it, and if it's good enough for grandpa and me, it's good enough for you. 
I don't want to hear any more about it. So, of course, the boy naturally shut up, you know. A little bit later that afternoon, Dad came in and said, Hey, son, there's a dead chicken out there in the chicken coop. I want you to take that chicken out and bury it. And so the boy said, Okay, Dad. So the boy went and got the shovel, went out and got the chicken, headed out behind the barn. When he got out behind the barn, he got an idea. He laid that chicken down, picked up a handful of dirt, went like this, and headed back in the house. And he came in. Dad said, did you bury that chicken? He said, yes, Father. He said, are you sure you buried it? He said, yes. He said, you did it awful fast. He said, you better show me where you buried this chicken. So they go out behind the barn. Here's this chicken with dirt sprinkled on it. And he says, I thought you said you buried that chicken. He said, now, Father, if it's good enough for Grandpa and it's good enough for you, it's good enough for that chicken. And Father Father understood and allowed him to be baptized like Jesus. You know, it's amazing. Sometimes children come up with a better deal than parents or adults, right? They think better. And it's amazing they can take it so simple. But we are raised up like Jesus. We want to live like Jesus lived. When we see there, it tells us we should be in the likeness of his resurrection. To walk and talk with Jesus is something that's important. Baptism represents the death, burial, and resurrection. The old person is dying to sin, and the new person is being resurrected to life. By the way, when they're resurrected, if it's a woman, it becomes a princess. Hello? If it's a man, they become a prince. Their royalty. You know, we ought to treat each other like that. Think about it. You're princes of the most high God of the entire universe. You know, how many of us would treat, you know, one of the queen, let's say Queen Elizabeth came, how many of us would treat her like we treat some church members? Huh? Wouldn't we roll out the red carpet, give her anything she wants? Well, I got news for you. If you've got a sister that's been baptized, She's more royalty than Queen Elizabeth. Why don't we treat each other like it? Why don't remember we're royalty? You know, I know somebody's going to say, Jack, I thought this sermon was on baptism. You're sure meddling a whole lot today. Listen, folks, we need to get back where we belong. Can you ever have a new life until you bury the old one? It's impossible. Now, does that mean you'll never sin again? No, I wished it was. I wished I could say I wouldn't. But folks, what's important? When you are baptized, you're saying, Jesus, I love you. Please forgive me. And by your grace, I want to live like you live. You make that commitment. Do you mean it? Yes. Will you make mistakes? Yes. But is Jesus going to pick you up and throw you out? No. He's going to love you and say, try it again. And that's what's so important in our relationship. But you cannot begin a new life until you get rid of the old one. You've got to be willing to do that. I've met people that think if they just get baptized, everything will be okay. They think there's some magic in the water. I'm going to tell you something. If you haven't been born again of the Spirit, 
you're still a devil. And if you go in the water, you're just going to come up a wet devil. Okay? Nothing's changed. The water doesn't change anything. It's simply an outward expression of an inward change. That's all that it really means. And that's why we do it. By the way, this is an actual picture from a baptistry in a Catholic church. For many, many years, the Catholic church baptized by immersion. And then, of course, they got to the point that it wasn't necessary. All you needed to do was just have some holy water and that it'd work. By the way, do you all know how you get holy water? I was told this by a Lutheran priest in uh, Price, Utah. We were, had a member uh, meeting there of all the pastors in town, and we were all together, and I don't know how the subject came up, but it did. And uh, the Lutheran pastor looked at him and said, you don't know how you get holy water. They said, no. He said, you put some water in a pan and boil the hell out of it. <laughs> and now it's holy. How many of you believe that? He was as serious as could be. Now, the Catholic priest was there. I'm not sure he did appreciate that. <laughs> Folks, only God can make anything holy. Amen? But when God says, baptize, he didn't mean with a little bit. One day, a missionary had been going to the children, I mean, to the Indian reservation, and the chief decided he wanted to get baptized. And so the day came for the missionary to baptize him. He brought out this beautiful silver cha uh, uh, you know, glass. Uh, cha what do they call it? Chalice. Chalice. There we go. And the chief looked at it. And all of a sudden he began to back away. And the missionary says, what's the problem? He said, <laughs> chief too big, cup too small. <laughs> Where did he get that? from God's Word. He had learned he needed to be buried, and there's no way he was climbing into that glass. Okay? It was in the year of 1311 they voted to have sprinkling rather than baptism by immersion. But how was Jesus baptized? Let's go over there for a minute. I want to read the whole part. Matthew chapter 3. You know, Jesus is our example in everything, isn't he? We want to follow what Jesus says. And so we find over here in Matthew chapter 3, Jesus comes to be baptized at the Jordan River, page 1400, beginning with verse 13. The Bible says, Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John said, wait a minute, <laughs> you need to baptize me, I don't need to baptize you, and yet you want me to baptize you? John knew who he was. Jesus said, you must do it now, for it becomes us to fulfill all righteousness. Did Jesus understand the study we had on night two? of the 2,300 days, did he realize that 483 years would go by and then he was to be anointed? Absolutely, he understood it. That's why he said, we must fulfill all right doing. And so what did John do? He baptized him. Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. 
and lo, the heavens were opened, and I saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him, and a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. How many of you believe that if God was pleased with what Jesus done, he'd be pleased if we do it? Huh? You believe that? Jesus said, I am the way, follow me. And so Jesus did it, and God was pleased that he had done it. And so when we think about it, Bible baptism represents death, burial, and resurrection. That's what it actually means. I want you to go over to Acts chapter 8. Jesus has gone back to heaven. And we find here there is a, an Ethiopian headed back home. And he's sitting up in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah. And the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near, verse 29, and join thyself to the chariot. And Philip ran hither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest what thou readest? And he said, How can I accept some man should guide me? He desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. And the place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, like a lamb dumb before his shearers. So he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. Who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch asked Philip, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet of this, of himself or some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture, preaching unto him what? All together now, preaching unto him what? Do you think Philip is following Jesus' instructions? What do you do first? About what? Jesus. Jesus, okay. And as they went on their way, they came to certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? He's learning and teaching, and then they come. He finds out about Jesus. He knows he's lost. He says, Can I get baptized? Philip says, If thou believest with all thine heart, Thou mayest. And he answered and he said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And Philip commanded the chariot to stand still. And they both went down into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he was baptized. When they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more. But he went on his way, rejoicing he went on his way doing what you know i'm sorry i've met a lot of church members <laughs> they look like they were baptized in lemon juice <laughs> you know and if you get baptized you can have all the fun they're having you know oh that's really an incentive isn't it you know <laughs> we're seventh day glad venice not seventh day sad venice you ought to notify your face. Go on your way rejoicing. I'm telling you, if you go around with a smile on your face, somebody's going to ask you, are you always happy? And you can say yes. And when they say why, you can say Jesus loves me. Amen? 
And by the way, you just witnessed, and that's the witness the world wants to see anyway. If you think they want to know about your Sabbath, you're nuts. If you think they want to learn about, you know, not eating a pork chop, you believe in Santa Claus and Easter Bunny. What do they want to see? Jesus. And you know, when they fall in love with Jesus, all the rest of that stuff's easy. Why? They just look in here and they see where Jesus went and they go the same places. They see what Jesus did. They do the same things. Listen, folks, it's so simple when a person falls in love with Jesus. I was telling in our Sabbath school class to Roland, I've had the privilege of going in many, many places in this world and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. I've asked Seventh-day Adventists all over the world, if you met somebody and you had five minutes to witness to them, you'll never see them again, what would you tell them about? Would you like to know what the number one answer is I get? The Sabbath. Would you like to know what the number two answer is? State of the dead. Would you like to know what number three is? <laughs> Vegetarianism. I can't, I can't believe it, folks. Why would we witness about the Sabbath and not witness about the creator of the Sabbath? Why would we witness to somebody about the dead when we don't witness to the one who is the resurrection? And why worry so much about what we're eating? Hello? Now, you know, don't take that wrong. Jack's advocating, you know, having bacon this afternoon. I'm not. Okay? All I'm saying is, why is it so many people only know us for certain reasons? You want to have an eye opener? I'll tell you something you can do. It'll just open your eyes. You won't even believe it. Start right here on the corner and go all the way around this church. Just knock, up a, knock on the door and ask them, what do you know about that church there next door? You're going to be shocked what they know. I'll just tell you that in advance. The answers you get are not going to be the ones you want. I know I'm really meddling now. You know, yeah, you know, I, I said in Sabbath school, my wife and I were in Jamaica and we were taking this bus trip and they were going around. And he's pointing out all of the sites and everything else. And he'd come to this church and say that and he'd come to this church and say that. And we passed this little, you know, uh, church all made out of rock. And he said, those that church is the seven day Adventist and they believe in the law. You know, that was like sticking a knife in me. If all those people in that town, all they know about the Seventh-day Adventists is they believe in the law, shame on us. Shame on us. Why don't they know that we really care about our people in our community? Why don't they know we're the first ones if they need help? Why don't they know how much Jesus loves them? Yes. Okay, good. That's a positive, isn't it? A very positive. Yes. 
Very positive. I can tell you right now, I've actually been in Grandview, Washington, where they started an entire church through community services. It was a Spanish church. They, they would feed over 300 families every week. But they started it <laughs> through community services. Absolutely, it's an outreach to everybody. You know, another thing in, up there in that valley, all of the grocery stores, anything they're ready to throw out, they always call the Adventist church and give it to them because they know they give it to other people. Isn't that amazing? They don't even have to solicit for the stuff. They get calls from the store. Oh, yes, that's a wonderful thing. What do they know when we know that? They know like Jesus, we care about them personally. That's what's important, folks. You know, all of the other stuff is just stuff. Without a relationship with Jesus, it means nothing. Do you understand that? And we can get so caught up in the nothings we lose sight of what's really important. So we ought to go on our way rejoicing. Would you agree with that? Let's be happy Adventists. <sighs> Repent of our past sins and be baptized. Does he cleanse us from all of our sins? Of course. In Acts chapter 2, verse 41, then they gladly received his word, were baptized, and the same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Hmm. Now, you know, it also says they were praising God, they were having favor with all people, and the Lord added unto the church daily those that should be saved. You know, I've heard people say, well, I want to get baptized, but I don't want to be part of the church. Mm -hmm. In other words, baptism is like a marriage. The Bible says, I have espoused you to Christ as a chaste virgin. It's like marriage. Isn't that right? Now, you think about this in relationship. John, when you met Tammy and you told her how much you loved her, you know, and so you got married, went on your honeymoon, and you came home and Tammy said just drop me off at my parents house <laughs> and you said well now wait a minute I've got a place for us to live <laughs> I married you I don't want to live with you <laughs> do you think you'd have a problem John is it possible you could have a problem <laughs> listen folks baptism is entrance into the church there's no way you can get around it okay it has to be and as a result in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, it tells us, for by one spirit we are all baptized into one body. You know, I like the way Jesus preaches. He's a simple preacher. Jesus called us sheep. Now, you know sheep are about the dumbest animals on the face of the earth. You can take some trained sheep that have really went to school and learned how to be able to talk. But with all of their education, when they honestly try to explain the love of God, you know, it just kind of comes out, meh. <laughs> Do you ever think about that? Sheep are totally lost without their shepherd. Now, he also calls us a body. I love that. Sometimes we begin to think that, you know, we're so educated that, you know, we're that important. I got news for you. <laughs> 
Every part of the body is important. And I want to give you homework so you can find it out and believe it. After we have lunch, I want you to go home. I want you to get out your hammer. And I want you to smack your little toe. And see how quickly the rest of the body comes to its aid. Is there anybody in our church that isn't important? No. That's why he calls us a body. We're all connected together. And every person, I don't care who they are, is important. And when they get hurt, we ought to come to their support. Just like we would if you go home and smack your little toe. I'm going to tell you something. Go home and do it. You'll never forget it. (laughs) That dumb jacket. I can't believe I was stupering him. I went home and did it. Colossians 1.18. He is the head of the body. And what is the body called? The church. Jesus is the head. And we join the church when we're baptized. Nicodemus snuck out one night and go visit Jesus. The reason he snuck out is he didn't want anybody else to see him. You know, embarrassed to go talk to this person that they were putting down. And uh, immediately Nicodemus pays him a compliment and says, we know you have to be a man from God. You couldn't do these things if you weren't. And Jesus just ignores that, goes right to the source of the problem and says, you must be born again. Now, this was not something new in the Israelite nation. Foreigners would come in and become part and they were baptized. Are you with me? And what does Nicodemus say? What? How can a man old go back into the woman and be born again? Talk about a stupid statement. Have you ever noticed that? Especially you, Pastor. You know you get real close to somebody and you start getting there and all of a sudden they come up with one of the stupidest statements you couldn't believe. Why? Because you're getting too close and they want to change the subject. Yeah? (laughs) That's what Nicodemus does. Nicodemus, (laughs) Jesus loved him so much. He didn't rebuke him. He just looked at him and said, unless a person is born of the water and of the Spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. You know, that's the beautiful part. Even when we come up with stupid statements, Jesus still loves us. Isn't that wonderful? We must be born again. That's why I tell you, if you're not born of the Spirit, it doesn't mean anything to get baptized. Baptized is only if you've been born again. And once we're born, we're still what? Please keep that in mind. Bible baptism represents death, okay, burial, and of course, a spiritual funeral and a spiritual birthday. It's exactly what it represents. How does a person prepare for baptism? Well, number one, they need to believe and accept Jesus as their personal Savior. Would you agree with that? All right. Number two, they must repent, sorrow for sin, and a turning from sin. Now, that doesn't mean sorry they got caught. Huh? One day a pastor was visiting uh, one of the prisoners, and as he was walking along, uh, this He heard coming from this one cell, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. 
He passes the cell, goes on by, and he still has the man, I'm so sorry. So the pastor turns around and comes back and he says, son, can I help you? Oh, he says, I'm just so sorry. He said, oh, what happened? Why are you sorry? He said, well, you see, I had this place all cased out. I knew where the alarms are. I knew how to turn them off. I knew when the guard would come to be able to check. I had everything planned. He said, the day of the robbery came. He says, I went in, disconnected the thing, got in without any problems, you know, and I'm watching the clock, and about the time I know the security guard's coming, I got down under the desk. Sure enough, right on time, the guard came along, opened the door, walked in, looked around, and started to walk out and turn the light off, and I sneezed. And I'm so sorry I sneezed, because if I hadn't sneezed, I wouldn't be in here. Is that repentance? You're sorry you understand that it was your sins that nailed Jesus to the cross. That's what you're really sorry for. And that breaks your heart. It'll change you and make you a new person. Ask Jesus to forgive you when you fail. Obey His commandments. Not to be saved, but because you are saved. When you're saved, like I said, you're a citizen of heaven. Would you act like a citizen of heaven? Would you talk like the princes of the Most High God? You know, would you be my son but show the world what I'm like and that I love people? Is that too much for Jesus to ask? Just act like what you are. That's all he says. You know, and that's so important. But so many people get that wrong. They think they're saved because they keep the commandments. (laughs) No, you're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And the only reason you ever keep anything Jesus said is because you love him. What about rebaptism? In Acts chapter 19, it tells us there were those that were there. Let's look this up. Acts chapter 19 because I want to read more than just the one verse that's up there. Paul comes to a certain place, and when he comes to that place, Acts 19, page 1626, it says he finds certain disciples. And he said unto them in verse 2, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, Unto what were you baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. Now I want to stop right there. Is John's baptism a good one? Has to be as the one Jesus had. Amen? Nothing wrong with the baptism. Are you hearing me? Okay? Nothing wrong with the baptism. As you look at that and see it, They had a good baptism. Then Paul preached them in verse 4. Verily the baptism with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people they should believe on him, which should come after him, that is on who? Christ Christ Jesus. Was Paul following what Jesus said? Teach him first about what? Jesus. Amen? And it says when they heard this, They were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. They learned new truth, and they accepted the new truth and were baptized. Are you with me? You know, it's amazing how things work. By the way, I've had people, 
You know, many, many times when you go to a church, you know, uh, uh, baptism is entrance in the church. You've got to be rebaptized. You notice I said got to be. Does the Seventh-day Adventist church believe that? No. If you've been baptized by immersion, let's be clear now. If you've been baptized by immersion, and since you were baptized, if you have been trying to live the Christian life, asking forgiveness when you do something wrong, you've continued to read and study your Bible, then as far as the church is concerned, you are a Christian. You don't have to be rebaptized. You can become part of the church based on a profession of faith. Profession of what? Profession of faith in Jesus Christ that you're saved by grace. Does that make sense? And yet, at the same time, some people, when they learn new truths, want to be rebaptized. Does that make sense? And that's their decision. It's between them and Jesus if they wish to do that. And we look at it, who should be rebaptized? Well, number one, if you've never been buried, you need to be because you haven't been. Is that clear? Okay. Number two, if you never really accepted Jesus. You know, there are churches out there that when a child gets to be a certain age, they're baptized. Has absolutely nothing to do with the child's choice. That's what the church says. Do you really think the child's been baptized? No, they didn't really learn to accept Jesus. And they have to do it because they love Jesus, not because the church said so. Are you with me? If they've fallen away from Jesus, maybe they've never been taught that all of the commandments are important. What does it mean, falling away? Let me ask you a question. If you get married, can you get a divorce? Yeah, sorry to say you can, right? If you get married to Jesus, could you divorce him? Absolutely. Now, you know, if you've divorced a woman and you meet another one, and this other one wants to get married, if the man said, well, I've already been married, we don't have to do it again. You think your new woman would accept that fact? Huh? If you got a divorce from Jesus, is there a reason to get remarried? Absolutely. Make that commitment again. You know, so many people, they don't follow through because they're afraid they're going to fail. Did you know that? You know, when you met that beautiful thing, you know, you had no guarantee you're going to make it past the first day, let alone the first year, the first five the next 10, you have no way. No, there's no guarantee. There's no way that you can guarantee that person's going to love you 25 years from now. Every day is something you develop a relationship with. Isn't that right? And, and let me tell you, one of the reasons we have so many divorces is people let the love die. Did you know that? When you first met her, you'd ask her, where would you like to go? Where would you like to go to dinner? What would you like to do, right? You'd open the door for her. You know, you bring her flowers. Why? You loved her. You wanted to do whatever, make her happy, and, and, and that she would think you're a little bit of all right. Amen? Now you get married. If you bring home flowers, she looks at you and say, what did you do now? Huh? If you go down to Safeway, <laughs> And if you're waiting for him to come around and open the door for you, you're going to be sitting in the car. <laughs> Amen? 
I like opening doors for ladies, but I'm going to tell you something. I wouldn't open a door for a lady if I didn't open it for my wife. You need to keep the romance there. Bring her home flowers. By the way, it's the little things in a love relationship that counts. Guys, you can go out and buy your wife a brand spanking new washer and dryer. And she'll like it. But she knows she has to wash your clothes too. You know? You can go down and buy her a brand new car, bring it home and say, honey, look what I bought for you. And she's going to like it. But she'll know you're going to drive it too. But now on the way home, stop by the store and buy her a bottle of Estee Lauder's Private Reserve. She's going to know you've been thinking just of her. Why you don't, shouldn't, wear Estee Lauder's Private Reserve. Amen? By the way, guys, cost a lot less than a washing machine. Stop and get her some flowers or some candy. You know, get her so used to buying flowers that she's, you know, she almost gets to the point she expects it. Don't you think so? Why do we let our romance dwindle away? It's the same way with Jesus. When you give your life to Jesus when you first start, it's brand new. You love him so much you want to do whatever makes him happy. Don't stop. Keep the romance there. Spend time with him every day. Recommit your life to him every morning. Say, not my will, but your will. Say, Lord, I love you because you love me. And that relationship will grow. And you'll find yourself, when you come to some of these things, <laughs> you're not doing it to be saved. You're doing it because you love them and you want to keep the romance alive. And by the way, isn't that what Jesus said? If you love me, keep my commandments. Isn't that an amazing thing that we do this? How important is baptism? He that believeth and is baptized is what? Hello? As we look at it, should I wait until I'm perfect before I get baptized? Let me tell you something. If you do, you'll never be baptized. What's Jesus looking for? By God's grace, I want to serve you, and I'm not going to do those things anymore. That's what he's looking for. You have no assurance of tomorrow. You may, make the, you may make the very same mistake again tomorrow. I, I wish we wouldn't. You know, I tell you the story about C.D. Brooks. Huh? C.D. Brooks was pastor down south. Knock came on his pastoral door. Man came into his office. He's a member there. Sat down in a chair across from C.D. and said, C.D., I want you to take my name off the books. Actually, he said, Pastor, take my name off the books. And so he said, why? He said, well, when I was baptized, I was smoking. And I promised God I would never smoke another cigarette. He said, that was four years ago, and I'm still smoking. And he says, I, I just can't do it. He says, I can't be a hypocrite. 
I want you to take my name off of the book. C.D. looked at him and said, when you were baptized, how many cigarettes were you smoking? He says, oh, usually between three and four packs a day. Wow. He said, how, many, how, many, uh, how much smoking are you doing now? He said, oh, you know, I'm smoking about three or four cigarettes a day. And C.D. looked at him and said, you want to give up when you're winning? That kind of took him back. And he said, what do you mean? He says, you've gone from three to four packs to three or four cigarettes. He said, you're winning. All Satan wants you to do is give up. That way he can get you back to three or four packs. He said, I'll tell you what, I'm going to make you a deal. He said, I want you and I to start praying about this. And he said, I want you to give it six more months. And he says, if six months from now, if you're still smoking, he says, I'll take your name off the book. And the guy said, yes. So they knelt down and prayed together. Now, before the six months was up, C.D. got transferred to Florida. And, of course, the person out here in California, not realizing the difference in the timetable, called C.D. and woke him up about 1 o'clock in the morning. And he said, I did it, I did it, I did it. He says, who is this and what did you do? So he reminded him who he was and he says, I haven't smoked a single cigarette now. He says, in over a month. And C.D. said, don't you understand? Satan wanted you to give up when you were winning. That's the way Jesus treats us, folks. I wish it would be overnight. I wish we could all be perfect and baptize one day and the next day we're perfect. We're not. But don't give up. That's Satan wanting you to give up. Let Jesus work with you walk with you, talk with you, pick you up when you make a mistake. And you're going to find as time goes along, it'll become less and less until one day, almost magically, you probably won't even realize it. It's gone. It's gone. You cannot have a relationship with Jesus Christ and keep on thinning. One or the other has to go. Do you realize that? Either the sin will go or the relationship will go. Keep that in mind in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Should we wait? No. He says, why do you tarry? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Let's bow our heads together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you love us enough that you sent us Jesus. And Jesus loves us so much. He said, I know, sometimes it's hard to understand. But listen, just follow me. And I'll lead you to the meeting when I'll introduce you to your father personally. Fill our hearts with your Holy Spirit that we might love you. For we ask it in Jesus' name, amen.